0: What is up, welcome back to the 3C Podcast. I'm your host, Brett McGrath. It's Monday, and you know what that means. We are bringing you another conversation in our mini-series around the modern-day marketer. Yes, the modern-day marketer is that individual that is the catalyst for change in B2B marketing. Hopefully, you enjoyed the last episode about writing for people and not machines. This time, we're talking about removing roadblocks and focusing on the damn experience. It's all about experience. You got to build that trust. So Jonathan and I are tackling that topic. If you like what I'm doing over here, hit the subscribe button. Tell a content marketing, hell, tell a marketing friend about the 3C podcast. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to our mini-series, episode three of the Modern Day Marketer mini-series. I am excited to talk about a topic that think is near and dear to both of our hearts. We are going to be talking about removing roadblocks and focusing on experience, which I think is kind of what we're building a business on. Actually, it is what we're building our business on. I'll be more emphatic about it. Last time, we talked about writing for people, not machines. If you haven't heard that one, go cue that up. It's still sitting there. Hopefully, you'll get some value and some good insights, but Jonathan, welcome back. Episode three. How's it going? Thanks for having me back, Brett. Excited to chat
1: today. Also excited. I'm peeking out the window. Feels like we've been living in Seattle for the last five days here in Indianapolis, and it looks like the sun might finally be uh, peeking through the
0: clouds. So hopefully that's a good omen for today's episode. I sure hope so as well, too. And I think, um, you know, I've been looking forward to this October weather, but it has, it's been either really hot or it's been raining, so I'm just waiting for the fall groove to step in. I know football going on, which is always the indicator for good weather here in Indianapolis, but it, we haven't quite got there yet.
1: We'll probably jump. We'll probably skip fall, you know, jump right to the crappy weather, winter weather, uh, knowing our luck. But uh, hopefully it's around the
0: corner and hopefully uh, we get a pair of some
1: fall weather with some fall football.
0: Emerging tech scene, a Big tech ecosystem here in Indianapolis, but there's a reason why the housing market is as affordable as it is because the weather sucks here. But
1: we have four okay. seasons though. We get all four seasons. And we, we, that
0: includes the crappy seasons along with the good seasons. More more of the crappy seasons than the rest. But <laughs> let's talk about some marketing stuff. As I was thinking about this, and I think I've been coming to this determination in positioning and thinking about product things and talking with a lot of marketers. And the one thing I think that continues to be something that I'm thinking about across our business. And I know a lot of marketers are thinking about is just experience. Mm -hmm. And I think experience can is, uh, it's almost like a buzzword in a way because of, but I think for me, it's like, let's, how can we use that? And that buzzword that resonates with so many people to our advantage. Like if you came to me and said, what are, you, what are you trying to do? Are you trying to create experiences? Of course, I think that's the goal. But really, there's no instructions or manuals or even like they're, they're brands to follow. But it, there's no really clear-cut definition on like what it takes to create good experiences. So I think just buzzword, something I think all of us as marketers want to tackle and want to figure out how we can get tapped in and plugged in and aligned to create experiences that begin to win the hearts and minds of our audience. But just with that experiences as kind of a launching point in this conversation, like how how do you think about them and uh, maybe share some perspective on good experiences you might have gone through?
1: Yeah, I remember I presented at uh, G2's virtual event last year. And one of the things I, I tried talking about the, the content experience in the B2B space. And there's a you know, there's a Gartner map of the B2B buyer's journey. And it's it look, it's it's obviously not linear. That's the point, right? Is that we all love to believe that this buying experience for B2B buyers is linear. Research, awareness, you know, engagement, purchase, et cetera. It's not, and we all know that as well. But as I you start to look, you know, there's probably about 25 to 30 different endpoints on this B2B buyer's journey that went in all different directions. But I started to map all the touch points that content played a major role in. And it was like 80% of those touch points throughout the buyer's journey are heavily impacted by content. So then I just asked the question: like, is your content making this experience more streamlined or less streamlined? And I think too often we as marketers, again, we've been guilty of this in the past, make that experience more difficult with content as opposed to more efficient. And because you asked about you know, content experiences I've had, uh, one I'll share recently that I think speaks to the broader intent of content. Uh, we're building a pitch deck. I may have shared this story previously and I apologize if I did, but we're building a pitch deck as we're doing fundraising right now. I use the juice. So humble humble brag there, I suppose. But well, first I went to Google and I searched pitch deck and got nothing but ads and templates that were optimized for SEO and terrible experiences. Went to the juice searched pitch, pitch deck and I actually found a piece of content by MailChimp that otherwise I wouldn't have found. Right. So uh, they're not going to be on the first couple of pages of Google search results. I never go past the first page anyways. Uh, they're likely not promoting that. I never would have gone to MailChimp's website looking for pitch deck resources, but that right content found me at the right time. And I don't bring that up to promote the juice. I bring that up to kind of show the impact content can have. That's an email marketing platform writing about a pitch deck. I got a lot of value from that content. I enjoyed that experience. And now I have a lot more brand affinity for MailChimp. When it comes time to buy an email marketing platform for the juice One of the first calls we'll make is, or one of the first outreaches we'll make is to MailChimp just because of that brand affinity and what they try to help their audience with. So a little bit of disconnected stories, but uh, one, you know, the experience of the buyer journey and two, just the experience of engaging with the right content at the right time from a brand.
0: Yeah. And I think experience matters. We're all trying to create better experiences. However, I think we are all stuck on this linear path of, okay, and I'm raising my hand, I've been guilty of this, but it's, um, okay, how can I generate leads and how can we push those leads through our process? And that process is, okay, I'm going to do these marketing things and I'm going to do these marketing things so I can get people to click that button. And clicking that button is a request to demo. And when they hit that request to demo, it sends this message and it goes through our CRM and then it lands on Some SDRs played and then the SDR goes through and qualifies them and then they call them a bunch and they email them the bunch. And the hope, right, is to get them over to the sales rep and then the sales rep goes through their thing where they want to show the product and they want to sell the individual. And like businesses, and I've been in businesses for a majority of my career that are optimizing around our process and our KPIs. And I think, you know, taking a step back and thinking about those the majority of my career doing that, it in where we're at now, just with consumer habits changing and expectations changing and B2B changing, like it makes me feel a little uh, feel a little dirty inside that I wasn't indexing more on like the consumer choice and the brand side of things earlier on in my career. You live, you learn how how can we as just B2B marketers think more strategically about infusing experiences in what we do and less the old way or that example that I shared about trying to get leads, trying to get people to hit demo, trying to get an SDR involved, trying to pass it to sales. Like, Is there a solution? Do you have ideas or thoughts around this? I'd love to get some perspective. You shared
1: something a few weeks ago with a team that was just kind of eye opening to me, and it's just fairly simple and straightforward. But I, the way you worded it was like nobody wants to be a lead. We as marketers spend a lot of money, a lot of our time trying to turn somebody into a lead. Your buyer doesn't want to be a freaking lead. Like that's just so outrageous to even say. About your buyer is either a buyer or they're in their own kind of research mode. I the famous statistic is like sixty to seventy percent of a buying cycle is done by the time by the time a contact like reaches out to you, right? So they're either in their own research mode or they're in buying mode. They don't want to be a lead. They likely don't want to be nurtured. Like all these marketing tactics that we manipulate leads or contacts or hell, human beings through, they don't want that, right? And so I think, uh, again, is, is your content or your tactics creating a more positive experience or a more negative experience? I mean, maybe we're beating around the bush here a little bit, but forms, right? Like that is the ultimate, like simple example of friction in the content marketing ecosystem. Nobody has ever come across a form on the internet and said, oh boy, I cannot wait to fill this thing out. And again, I've gated content in my past. I know you have as well. Markers have, and it works to a certain degree, but that's not the experience that you're buyers are looking for, or your researchers are looking for. They don't want to opt in to be a lead um, until they are ready. And your experience should provide them that opportunity to control where they're at in your sales process.
0: So We're we're marketers working for a marketing business or building a marketing business, which puts us in this unique position. But I think it also allows us to be self-aware. And the self-awareness we have we can confidently say, I can say this, you can say this. And I think majority, if not everyone listening on the other line and shout out, if you're listening to the three C podcast is that we don't want to be leads. So we're saying it right now. We do not want to be leads. We don't want to be treated like leads. We don't want to go through your nurture campaigns. We don't want to go through your process because we have options and I'm viewing your product and your company as a commodity. And if you piss me off and you put me through your stuff it's going to leave a negative brand Im- brand impact on me and I'm never going to want to h- hear you again. In fact, if I see your brand on social media, I'm going to block it. That's how that makes me feel and how strong it makes me feel just because it, I don't like companies who are playing the old game. So if I give that like extreme example of what I would do if I get pushed through another brand's process, why do we keep going back and why do we keep doing this? Like we've said it's not a linear process. We said, we don't want to be treated as leads. Why do marketers continue to go back and do the same thing over and over and over again? There's two things
1: people hate, uh, the way things are and change. So I, I think for a lot of people, it is just the way things have always been done. And we keep doing it because to a certain degree, it maybe hits the right you know hits the right dashboard you were talking about earlier, where somebody clicks or requests a demo and it's like, that lights up a green box on somebody's spreadsheet, and that's good for them, uh, not good for the person that hit the button, right? We've talked about previously on this podcast, like leads, right? At the C suite level, for better or worse, um, that is still a lot of times how marketing is being measured. There's a rising tide. I'd say a lot of the people who are now buyers of software or leaders of businesses are younger millennials, Gen Zers who have different expectations different consumer experiences that they expect to play out in the B2B space. Uh, We call the people marketing to those people, modern day marketers, and uh, they're going to be a part of changing what gets measured and what matters in marketing. Uh, But it's going to take some time and some effort, and we hope
0: the juice is a part of that story. So the modern day marketer, which is who we're dedicating this series for, I made, and this is going to come out in some form, probably going to be a blog post, probably going to be a podcast, a bunch of other things. And I spent some time and I spent some time really thinking about, and part of this was, hey, I want to create some visuals around the modern day marketer that we can go to market with. So as I was going through that process, I really needed to like define, not only define who the modern day marketer was, but like. Identify traits. And the first trait that I identified is that the modern day marketer thinks of audience first. All of their decision making is around providing value to her audience as opposed to her metrics, which I think is really, really important. So, with that being said, if someone's out there listening and say, you know what, like when I do my marketing, like I'm trying to provide value, but also like I feel stuck because you know my director of marketing or vp or cmo or fill in the blank leadership title is constantly breathing breathing down my neck and they want more leads and they're saying yeah like this is okay but this isn't really moving the needle and by moving the needle i mean generating demand generating pipeline i know that conversation is happening across B2B marketing space everywhere. I I hear about it. I often feel like I'm in therapy with some of these Gen Z modern day marketers. How do you advise them to have that conversation with their manager who got maybe rich, maybe promoted through the old way of doing B2B marketing?
1: That's a good question. It's a tough question. Um, I think part of that is just behavior change. Part of that is you're going to have to, to survive eventually, I think. Uh, one visual or kind of model that has helped me think through telling that story, uh, we were fortunate to partner with Jay Acunzo and he talked to me about straightening the pipe or the funnel, if you're used to seeing the funnel, uh, the classic B2B funnel, right? You get fill up the top funnel and down the the, bottom, the top funnel is very wide and the bottom of funnel is very narrow. And uh, he talked about straightening the funnel, right? Like maybe let's not throw as many people into the top of the funnel, but let's make that bottom of the funnel that much wider as well, right? And, And that funnel starts to be less funnel shaped and more straight pipe shaped, right? And I'm not saying you're ever going to convert every single person. And I don't think anybody expects that, but if you focused your top of funnel on a narrower audience, but the right audience and your conversion rate increases, greatly, and then your outcomes start to increase, I think that's going to be the new way, right? That becomes a pretty easy story uh, to tell your manager or your boss or your executive, hey, we don't have as many leads, but look at what our content's been able to help us do with our conversion rate. It's increasing. And so the outcomes are greater. Um, so that that's kind of a model I've been thinking a lot about. We've been talking to some prospects about and that seems to be resonating. So I think there's a huge opportunity to focus less on quantity, more on quality, which sounds very cliche and very obvious, but I think it's all about that conversion rate from top of funnel to the bottom of the funnel.
0: Yeah, I think two things that stand out to me in, in that example are, one, it's having a mindfulness that around this idea of consumer habits are changing and have changed and the power is really in the buyer's control. We all have the internet. We all have the ability to do our own research. And I'll I'll say this, nothing you do from a demand gen perspective is going to trick or manipulate anyone into wanting to sit through an hour long demo of whatever you have to sell. Like that's just not how it works. So it's like having mindfulness that around the fact that the power is in the control of the buyer. That's one thing that I think a lot about. The other thing I think a lot about is I'm a highly ambitious individual. I would say most marketers are highly ambitious individuals. And my the Achilles heel for me early on in my career was this, okay, I spend all this time and I do this thing and I want immediate results and immediate returns and it's just not how it works. It, so it's this idea of instead of doing the thing that then results in people immediately raising their hand and going to talk to your sales team, you kind of take a step back and say, you know what, like, let's focus on experience. Let's focus on building trust and know that it's a long game. So if, it, if you believe that it's a long game and the, buy, the control is in the, the power of the buyer, what are those things that you can do with your content During the four quarters of that game, not the first two minutes that are going to get those people that you want to become your customers to believe in what you're about, to to build that trust, believe in your story. So that when they do have that problem, they say, oh, you know what, man, I really like that Jonathan guy. I'm going to go check out what his company does. I think it can help solve a problem that I currently have. This is
1: especially uh, difficult. Uh, I think you mentioned this at the start of that. If you are selling or marketing into the marketing or sales suite, we are the most skeptical buyers, right? We know all the tricks. We know that that outbound email we just received was automated. We know that the follow up, that even though you put reply in the subject line, is also automated. Like we know all the tricks and trades, uh, trades, tricks and treats. I, we know all the tricks. Trick or treat! It's Halloween season. I don't know what's happening now. It's been uh, I did speed dating this morning with VC firm, so I'm I'm losing track of all my words today. But we're skeptical buyers, so so we know uh, what we know the game and how it's played, right? So good luck to all of you selling into those suites. The other thing you mentioned around demo and like research is being done. You know, I, I think that's a pretty common theme. But one thing that drives me nuts, for example, in the sales process is the idea of a discovery meeting. I think for exactly the reason you said. I've done enough research if I've gone out of my way to reach out to a brand or a vendor to potentially buy from them. I've qualified myself. I don't need to sit on the phone for 45 minutes or an hour in discovery before I ever talk to a sales rep. That drives me absolutely nuts. That's such a poor use of time. I have self-qualified myself. If I'm talking to the vendor, the things I want to know are pricing, timelines, uh, what success looks like for the partnership. Um, it is not like, I I don't know. I, and I know there's probably a sales rep saying, oh, well, that'll lead to a much better sales conversation. Okay, great. Like, let's knock that out in a conversation where we can do all of this at once. We're all strapped for time. Um, and I think if you empower your audience to educate themselves and if your content does a good job of that, again, let's make that sales process that much more efficient.
0: Is it, it, so CEO of a company who just, Share that with everybody. Would you prefer getting linked up with uh, a salesperson and maybe knocking out that discovery through Twitter DMs? And then would you be, was that something you would be open to?
1: Yeah, I've done that. Uh, Morning Brew. Uh, Me and Austin Reef, the founder of Morning Brew. We were talking about advertising in Morning Brew. He tweeted that they had an advertiser that bailed on them or something. He tweeted something out about it. And I was like, what are the slots cost? What's the timeline? What's the click-through rate? We went through all of it. It wasn't the right time for us. It was too expensive at the time, but it's something that we're going to consider now in the future. And when the time comes, I know all the details and I can reach out to them and say, hey, we're ready to commit. This is the timeline we're looking for. We can probably do it all digitally even. you know, I'd be happy to take a call with them, but man, I what I don't need is a prospectus and a 30-minute 45 minute call talking about what goals we're trying to achieve with advertising in an email newsletter, right? And I'm not saying morning
0: brew is doing that, but that that would be the example there where it's just like, let's cut to the chase. 100%. And maybe we kind of close it out with this. And I'll say, just share a story and an example of something that Kate, who leads our sales efforts, has shared a couple of times. And I don't know if she knows that this was like a super, like a big compliment to, uh, or Compliment slash validation for some of the work that I'm, I'm doing. But she, she has mentioned in meetings like, yeah, hey, I see the juice everywhere. You're all over my feeds. I don't really know what you guys do yet, but like I see you everywhere and I'm interested in like learning and talking to you. And to me, like that's validation of not going too hard into the old way, but focusing in on creating great content distributing that content where people are that we think we can help with what we're building. And so like I share that story because it she's not saying, Hey, I love what we're doing in marketing. Like you're generating a bunch of leads for me. And I know they're not all great leads, but at least it's giving me something to do. It's almost like marketing efforts through content delivery and design are helping her get a conversation in the right conversation quicker because someone reads our stuff, listens to the podcast, reads our newsletter. And they're like, you know what? I I believe in some of what they they're saying here. So yeah, sure. Let's have a sales call. So that example, that's something that's active. We don't have forums. We're sharing our content everywhere. We're sliding in people's DMS. We're uh, sending it through communities we're just content distribution and getting it to the right place is kind of one of my big areas of focus. So you seeing that, hearing that feedback and knowing like the, this conversation, what it's about, like how, how would you sum it up? And like, maybe what is, what is some, what is some feedback that you have?
1: The two things I would take away from that story with you and Kate is one, I think you've done a tremendous job of building empathy with, the audience, our audience, you're a marketer speaking to marketers. And so I think you can empathize better with them than maybe content marketers marketing to insurance brokers, right? But um, so it's naturally easier, but you've also done a good job of empathizing with their pain points, uh, building buy in that way. And I think so when people are seeing our stuff everywhere and it's a frictionless experience, they have a A similar experience. Uh, They're bought into it. They're curious about it. They're not annoyed or frustrated by the experience. And so uh, that creates a positive relationship. The other thing I would say about it is you've also done a really good job of going where they're at, right? You mentioned they see it everywhere, right? So again, instead of forcing them to your website, forcing them through an experience on your website or forcing them through your email drip campaign, you've just shown up where they're already at, right? Like you go to their communities, you participate in their communities. You don't just market in their communities. You participate, you talk about shared experiences, you talk about shared perspectives or even different perspectives. And again, I think you build a relationship that way as well. I think that's the very humane way to use your content Um, as an experienced builder and improver. And uh, we've been very fortunate to have you doing that on behalf of the juice.
0: So just a pro tip to anyone who's hosting a podcast, make sure you organize it in a way so at the end of the episode, you're getting flowers from the person you're talking to. (laughs) I appreciate the feedback. That was not the intention, but it's true. And I'll say this to anyone out there who's struggling. Anyone who is out there struggling Don't feel like you need to change everything you're doing in your business overnight. Take something small and it could be something like content and focus on your content. And you might be in an organization that creates the content and then goes and hands it off to a team and the team pays for advertising and publishes it out. And that's just how you do business. Try to, once you get done with the piece of content, map out, where your people are that you want to get conversations with and dedicate some time to content distribution. And I I promise you, if you start small and do that, you'll have something to prove out and talk to your manager about. And that can help shift the mindset about how you should be thinking about removing roadblocks in the rest of the way you're doing business. So that's my feedback in closing. Jonathan, I got to give you an opportunity to react to that before we close it out.
1: Yeah, you must have saw me biting my tongue. I, I think too often people are like, oh, our content sucks or our content isn't working or we need a new content strategy. And so many times it's just because the experience is bad. The content is good, but the experience is awful and that makes it really hard on your audience. Um, so I'd encourage you, just like you said, you know, think about the distribution of it, think about the experience of it. Your content's likely not the problem. It could be the experience you're giving your audience. So there's there's a lot there. Uh, this has been a fun conversation. I even enjoyed complimenting you. And tune into our next <laughs> podcast where Brett asks for a raise.
0: Yes, I will be asking. We'll be talking about moving from co-marketing to community building, and then I'm going to be asking for a raise right on the podcast. So you'll get to hear the art of internal negotiations. <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a ton of fun. But in all seriousness, this is hard work. It's not all roses, even though I just got my flowers. It's tough. We're working hard at it. And what we're trying to do here is just communicate out a lot of what you're hearing is what we're going through right now. So thanks for listening. Jonathan, got one more coming up next week. Excited to have you back on. Thanks for your time. Thanks, Brett. Talk soon. I think we all should be asking ourselves the question, are we giving our audience the best experience possible? Are we educating? Are we providing value? Are we doing what we need to do as a brand to build and develop trust? That is the most important thing. Excited that the Modern Day Marketer is being brought to the forefront. I'm learning so much from all of you. We're gonna come back with the fourth episode next week. Stay tuned, but before we do that, Make sure you tune in on Friday with another conversation with a content marketer that matters, bringing you Devin Reed at Gong. It's full of knowledge. Can't wait to share that one with you. Take care.